You're listening to the sixth season of Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about the intersection of liturgy and life. I'm Father Jeffrey Reddy, Director of Orthodox Christian Studies at Trinity College, part of the University of Toronto. I'm also the Rector of Holy Merbera's Orthodox Mission in Toronto. I'm joined by my former student and good friend, Father Yuri Hladio, who pastors St. Maria of Paris Orthodox Mission in Hamilton. For our sixth season, Father Yuri and I will be making public our series on the Desert Fathers and Mothers of the Church, previously released only for our patrons. You'll be hearing the episodes exactly as they were originally released. We release special private issues for our Patreon subscribers on a weekly basis. If you like what you hear and you'd like access to more podcast content, you can go to patreon.com forward slash enacting the kingdom or go to enactingthekingdom.com and follow the link from there. For now, we hope you enjoy the public release of this episode. Welcome to the Enacting the Kingdom private podcast. You're listening to this because you've chosen to financially support this project, and Father Jeffrey and I are so grateful to have you as part of our Patreon community. As a show of our gratitude, please accept this Patreon-only episode as a special thank you. Give me a word, Father Jeffrey. Give me a word. That's one of the main, that's, that's the uh, theme which we will be working under at the start of this episode. Give me a word. Uh, so for the listeners who might not know, this is a phrase that's often um, expressed in the sayings of the Desert Fathers and Mothers when uh, maybe a younger monk goes to an older monk and says, give me a word. And then the older monk or older nun will give a piece of spiritual guidance, which then the monk takes home and puts into practice. I guess that's sort of how our podcast works, Father Jeffrey. I, I was come just to you. thinking that. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that's the, the the theme of every single podcast we do, right? Yeah. So, and I'm really hoping you do go away and ponder everything I say, Father Yuri. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I ponder it in my heart, you know? <laughs> I, uh, I, after every single recording, I sit in silence for two hours <laughs> and just contemplate um, in my cell. Very uh, good. And, and that's the other topic is your cell will teach you everything. Mm-hmm. So these are kind of foundational to the Desert Father and Mother tradition. So we thought this is where we'll start. Yeah, indeed. Well, uh, unless you wanted to share anything, Father Jeffrey, I think we should just dive right into our first saying. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to our introduction, make sure you go back uh, to, uh, to listen to our introduction um, because we explain sort of the genre and the history of all this. So we're not going to do that here. We're going to assume you know all about that. Okay, so here is the first saying that we are going to explore. A brother questioned Abba Hyrex saying, give me a word. How can I be saved? The old man said to him, sit in your cell, and if you are hungry, eat. If you are thirsty, drink. Only do not speak evil of anyone, and you will be saved. And that's it. That's the whole saying that we have here. And Father Jeffrey, my first kind of, my first gut reaction here is something like, it's kind of similar to what Jesus says in the gospel. It's not what goes into a, a person that defiles them. It's what comes out, right? It's not, a, it's not about like it's food isn't evil, right? Drinking isn't evil. It's actually what comes out of your mouth that really causes destruction and, and evil. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll let you take it away from there. Well, sure. I mean, first thing, I mean, it's like Jesus in the sense 
too, of this idea of coming and asking for, for the word, right? So mm -hmm. dwell on that aspect of this for a moment, because it's the kind of first theme here, give me a word, which we hear over and over again in the sayings of the Desert Fathers and Mothers, where the, as you say, the, the newer um, enlisted monk or uh, warrior for Christ comes to, to the elder and, and asks for some, some guidance. And it's often, I mean, a, a word, but I mean, it, it, it's like a short saying, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be a comprehensive theological, spiritual, you know, framework for life. It's just some simple saying or some right, kind of right. arrow into the heart of things. And, and it is like Jesus in that regards, you know, where the, a rich young man comes and says, what do I need to do to be saved? Right. And, and our Lord will quote from the Torah, you know, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and, and, and your neighbors yourself kind of thing. And, and this kind of thing happens over and over again in these stories. And it's, it's interesting, I think for us, because, we're drawn, I think, to complexity. And that's our world around us that probably creates that expectation, you know, for us. So when we come to something like faith in, in Christ and a desire to, to become a full human being, um, to quote from Ephesians, to, to kind of grow to the, the full stature, you know, of Christ, um, we often, I think, of we think of it as a kind of whole complex project with all kinds of dimensions, you know, to it. So it can be rather jarring to see that in the desert, it's often a word, a saying, uh, you know, some kind of short, pithy piece of advice that the, the younger monk will go away and just be expected to kind of sit with, right. Um, kind of ponder for, period of time, right? Um, it's always a, a word of challenge. Um, it's a word of a kind of encouragement in, in a way, but it has to be wrestled with. It has to be struggled with. And, you know, only after a period of time would you go back and sort of say, give me another word, right? So the expectation would be you put this into practice properly. You know, it's not dissimilar to kind of going to you know, a physician or, a, you know, physiotherapist, say, and being given something to do, right? And they'll often give you, you know, something quite manageable, right? And if you go back and say, well, I haven't done any of the things you told me, they're hardly going to say, okay, well, now move on to the next stage, right? It's about mastery of something simple before before you kind of move on. So, so listen again to Abba Yerax here, you know, sit in your cell. Okay, well, just that, Right? And we're going to go on and talk about what a cell is um, in a few moments and what that means, what that implies and so forth. But sit in your cell, stay there, right? If you're hungry, eat. If you're thirsty, drink. Only do not speak evil of anyone and you will be saved. And you sort of think, well, how can salvation, this kind of total state of wholeness, of being, of health, and, and, and the fullness of what it means to be a human, that kind of purpose of life, how can that be accomplished just by sitting eating, drinking, and not speaking evil of anyone. But it starts there, right? And and in some respects, if you can do this properly, it implies everything else anyway. So you don't need that complexity, right? You don't need a shelf full of books. You don't need a theology degree. You don't need all of the the kind of uh, paraphernalia and trappings of, of, of the Christian life. Often when you get to the desert here, it's this kind of radical 
simplicity, just kind of driving to that heart of the gospel, as we said in in the introductory uh, episode of this series, that this is about taking the gospel seriously. And if you do that, it boils down to some pretty simple, you know, principles. So this idea of give me a word, you know, it it, it it's a it's a word of counsel, of advice, but it, it's something to be taken itself quite seriously and implemented, you know, wrestled with and done. And if you do that, you can come back and having actually made some progress in that kind of inner kingdom of your heart and moving towards uh, Christ, towards the love of, of the self-sacrificing love that we're all called towards and, and so forth. But, um, you know, as you say, I mean, the, 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 the beauty of here of this saying is, you know, the idea of just eat and drink normally, right? Like the, the, he didn't say fast, especially hard, or, you know, avoid all of these kinds of things, but, you know, just take care of yourself, sit, ca- you know, carefully, quietly in your cell and just focus on this. Do not speak evil of anyone. That's hard, right? And because the speaking comes from the depths of, of the heart, uh, our thoughts will immediately go to all kinds of, of evil against um, the world around us, against other people. Um, but if we can avoid that, you know, then everything else, you know, kind of falls in, into place here. So mm-hmm. these are things just, you, you have to sit with them and, and ponder them, even in this kind of, you know, reflective, you know, secondary level that we're at, we're not there, you know, questioning Abba Yerex ourselves. But in our experience of this saying, there's this kind of sitting with it and pondering. And every one of these sayings almost becomes for us, our expression of saying to the fathers and mothers, give me a word, right? So we need to adopt that same stance, that same kind of posture towards all of these sayings. And as we said in the introductory episode, it means we're not going to sit here and probably sit down and read, you know, a hundred of these in one go or the whole collection, right? You, you would just be completely overwhelmed. The idea of give me a word means, you know, one or two of these at a time is probably more than enough to get on with. Um, as I say, you don't go to the physiotherapist and tell me all the exercises <laughs> that I should be doing, right? It, you're given things to focus on. And if you do those right and fully and properly, you know, the whole life is implied in that. And this, there's another saying here that I think perfectly encapsulates everything that you were just talking about, Father Jeffries. I'll, I'll read it and we probably don't actually have to say too much about it. It's kind of a seal on everything you've just been saying. Um, so here it is. A monk once came to Basil of Caesarea and said, speak a word, Father. And Basil replied, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And the monk went away at once. 20 years later, 20 years later, yeah, yeah. he came back <laughs> and said, Father, I have struggled to keep your word. Now speak another word to me. And he said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the monk returned in obedience to his cell to keep that also. Uh, yeah. Like it, it just really <laughs> seals everything you were talking about, right? This, 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 you, you can, you can almost see this monk as, um, the monk who's coming to Basil Caesarea is sort of the iconic image of the obedient young monk who comes, receives a word and goes and does it. Mm-hmm. Right, that actually does it. Doesn't just think about it, but does it. And he's and he no comes, longer young by the time it ends. I mean, <laughs> yeah, twenty years a, later, right? So he's at least twenty years older by the end. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. So much is implied in the patience that that that's there, right? I mean, in our Bibles, those two phrases are made into one sentence often, right? Depending on how the thing gets punctuated, but mm-hmm. we our eyes hardly stop over the first part of that, let alone spending 20 years mm-hmm. contemplating, wrestling with that, working it out. But but you could. I mean, mm-hmm. this is not an, once you reflect on this a little bit and you ponder this in your heart, you realize, hang on a minute, 20 years isn't anywhere near enough time to work on that one. Um, and yet, you know, as I say, our eyes will just kind of quickly pass from one to the to the next. Oh, yeah, I know that. Okay, what's next? You know, tell me something I don't know, right? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it, Christianity is quite simple. At the end of the day, the gospel is really at its heart. Those two verses that we love God with all our heart and we love our neighbor as ourselves. If we could actually do that, there is nothing else, right? And so, and yet, how many pages of books are there on our shelves? How many you know hours do we spend darting from one thing to the next, you know, to kind of make sense of this Christian life? And yet, you know. Here you go. A monk came to Basel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, before we leave this section, give me a word. Uh, maybe it's worth taking a minute or two to talk about how how we as regular people in the world might use this concept of give me a word. So so there was this, you know, in in um in the time of the Desert Fathers and Mothers, there was a tradition that you would go and you would ask for a word, you'd be given a word, and then you'd go and do it. How does this apply to the life of like an everyday Orthodox Christian nowadays? Like should we be going to monks and nuns and saying, give me a word? Like how how does how does this work now? Yeah, maybe. And I know lots of, you know, Orthodox who who will have over their lifetime a kind of relationship, even a kind of ongoing one with one particular monk or nun. They they might make regular pilgrimage, which is always a good idea, uh, to a monastery, maybe once or twice a year, and they 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 take up a, a kind of soul friendship with with a particular person there. Um and it might not boil down to something as simple as you know, give me a word, but but certainly that relationship allows kind of regular checking in, um, milestones in in one's life. Uh, you know, not necessarily the kind of relationship you'd have, say, with a regular confessor in your parish, but but nevertheless, a, a kind of over one's lifetime, you know, very beneficial um, relationship. You know, with somebody who who's in a different kind of mode. Of being, we're going to talk about what it means to be in a cell, and that's perfectly available to people in the world. But it takes a little bit of work. The the monastic has his or her cell given to them, assigned to them, and they're told not to leave it. Um, you know, to f- to flee from that. So there's a kind of there's a different place that they're at that can be a useful lens into into our own life. But I think even you know, aside from forming those kinds of relationships with with monastics, which would be a kind of direct parallel with what we've got here in in the stories of the Desert Fathers and Mothers, uh, we have you know the opportunity to to read scripture, for example. And I have many times counseled people to uh, you know. It's worth slowing down, you know, with that activity. You know, people sort of tell me I've got a read the Bible in a year program or something like that, and there's that's great. You can kind of get overall narrative arcs sorted in your mind when you do things like that. But you know, sometimes give me a word means you go to the Psalms and 
for one day or for one week, you read one verse and you stay with that verse, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Stop. <laughs> okay. I'm going to work on that one. Mm-hmm. And it might take 20 years <laughs> before you need to go back and find you know, another verse. Because if you're properly working on that, pondering it, wrestling with it, trying to make sense of what that means really in every situation in our lives. Okay. Lord's my shepherd. I'm a sheep, (laughs) you know? Okay. I'm a sheep. You know, if if anybody's ever met sheep knows how um, unruly and, and pretty uh, dull witted they are to put it uh, Mm -hmm. mildly. Um, All right. What does that mean? I need to trust. I need to depend. I need to think that somehow I'm not the one leading this enterprise, you know, and go and you go from there. And what does that mean in this situation and that circumstance and with this person and with this thing I'm struggling with in in my life? Honestly, the Lord is my shepherd contains everything as well. And so much of the scripture is like that. And I think of, for example, times when, and at the frequent times in Orthodox church history when, you know, people have had all of the paraphernalia stripped from them, right? Overnight, Soviets come to power in, in uh, various parts of Eastern Europe, including Russia, and people are deprived of their churches, of the sacraments, of their Bibles, of their holy books, of all of their stuff, and they're sent to concentration camps. And in those concentration camps, they have nothing except what they brought with them. And maybe that's just a scrap of paper that has a, one verse on it, or they've got memorized, you know, something like the Lord is my shepherd. Well, you can become a saint on that, right? And often those kinds of circumstances, though you wouldn't wish them on anybody, are the crucible of sanctity, simply because they focus our attention on what we can, all we have, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I mean, this is enough to go on. And if you really, really enter into that, then it's possible to, you know, to, to grow and develop and achieve theosis, to participate in the full life of the triune God with, with all that that in, implies. And so give me a word, sure, should be, you know, a, the kind of guidance that, that we take up in, in our life as well. We, we, we think, you know, more is more but it's not. (laughs) Less Mm can be so much more. Um, There's a kind of uh, spiritual minimalism (laughs) that we should practice, you know, and it almost doesn't matter which verse it is, which word it is, right? And that's what you'll find when you go to the Desert Fathers, you you know, that the same monk might go to 20 different Abbas and get 20 different words. And, you know, and, and that's a kind of in, to do that would be silly because any one of those would be enough, right? Mm-hmm. And all you're going to find if you go to 20 different ones is you'll find, you know, something to, further to to kind of contemplate or, or compare and contrast, which is nece- not necessarily needed, right? That mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. we just need that word. And I say, if we can somehow find that simplicity amidst our, you know, the, the richness and complexity of our lives, um, then maybe we don't need to be sent to a concentration camp to to find yeah. holiness. Although I'm pretty sure it would do most of us a world of good, sadly. Well, 
picking up on this, <clears throat> excuse me, picking up on this theme are a series of sayings that you could kind of thematically put under the category of, quote, your cell will teach you everything. Um, and, and it's really about, again, that focus. So I, I want to read two sayings back to back, Father Jeffrey, before I let you uh, react mm-hmm. here. Um, the first is going to be from Abba Moses and the second from Ama Sincletica, because I think it speaks to exactly what you were just talking about. So the first one here, a brother came to Skitas to visit Abba Moses and asked him for a word. The old man said, go sit in your cell. Your cell will teach you everything. Mm-hmm. And the second one here is um, Ama Sincletica said, there are many who live in the mountains and behave as if they were in town and they are wasting their time. It is possible to be a solitary in one's mind while living in a crowd. And it is possible for one who is solitary to live in the crowd, crowd of his own thoughts. And yeah, it speaks to basically putting yourself in a setting where there can be focus. That's kind of number one. But also, you know, uh, Ama Sincletica's point of you could be you could be in a cell and be in a crowd of your thoughts, right? And and you live as though you're in a crowded town, and you know that's not useful. But at the same time, you could be in a crowded place and have a focused, solitary, you know, focused mind. Um, yeah. So basically, I guess. Father Jeffrey, my first reaction here is something like, you know, give me a word is about maybe focusing on a particular teaching or, um, uh, yeah, providing some kind of focus for a particular teaching and applying it. Whereas this teaching kind of go sit in your cell, your cell will teach you everything is, is kind of about setting up a focused space. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Ama Sincletica seems to say, well, yes, the space is important, but what's more important is kind of the, the, the space of your mind. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it over to you, Father Jeffrey. Well, yeah, because ultimately um, that word cell, um, you know, it just means a chamber, you know, a room, right? A, a, a place where you can shut the door, essentially, uh, is, of course, a metaphor, right? And, and it's more powerful in that regard, right? It, the, you can be in a very shut room quiet by yourself and yet be totally preoccupied, you know, with the world around you. Or you could be, you know, in that very uh, crowded place, but nevertheless, in the in your heart of hearts, you are shut into a quiet place where you can kind of sit with with things. So this is the 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 place where the struggle takes place, right? Um, so you've you've got your word, uh, you've got the, the purpose ultimately, the, the the end has been revealed to you. Where where you need to be, I need to be in that place where I love God with all my heart and my neighbor as myself. That can be, you know, the way that it gets expressed. So now I need the place of struggle, and that place is the cell. Uh, for the desert fathers and mothers, it's you know, used over and over and over again. And uh, and you might think, well, you know, this is now a purely monastic concept it doesn't apply you know outside of uh, deserts and 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 the kind of um you know artificial recreation of a desert in a, in a kind of monastic complex of buildings no matter where that is but it has to be a place where you know i don't have a family i don't have dependents i don't have work obligations i don't have schoolwork to to kind of get done all these kinds of things that impinge upon us bills to pay you know wouldn't it be lovely to be in a cell Right where none of those things uh, obtain, 
But that's not the point, right? The monastic cell is this kind of central metaphor, but it's it's not the outer cell as such, the, the kind of visible cell that matters. It's the that kind of deep part of the human person where we have to come become fully alive, uh, fully aware, and we take up this struggle, right? We become we, we notice ourselves, we notice our volition, our, our desires, we notice our loves, we notice what we worship, and we struggle with that. And we do the work of, you know, focusing on that word that we've been given, you know, in, in that place. And that's available to everyone and you know, everywhere, right? Uh, and in any time or, 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 or circumstance. And the, the the key part here is that we have to go on this journey if anything is going to going to work. We have to journey, you know, within ourselves. Uh, even you know, in the Gospels, it, you know, the, the kingdom of heaven is within you, right? Is that it's that and that's that was really taken up in the desert as a, as a kind of key image for how this battle you know takes place and it goes hand in hand with what you're saying earlier about what's what comes out of the heart you know that matters so much of our lives we're obsessed with the externals right we're obsessed with with how things manifest themselves whether it's in behaviors or events or circumstances you know around us but what the desert fathers and mothers invite us to do is to enter into the cell of our own hearts to go on this journey to come alive to ourselves and there to find a place of encounter with God and transformation so that all the externals ultimately can be taken care of, right? Um, it's not to say that, you know, by entering into the cell of your heart, you, know, you ignore, you know, the world around. The, the Desert Fathers and Mothers were deeply concerned about world issues, about social justice, about all kinds of things. But they knew that to be at all effective in confronting external circumstances. It requires this kind of inner purification and cleansing and clarity of vision, of uh, you know, being in relationship with God in this kind of stability, right? Um, you know, this idea, you know, of uh, you know, not running off either to the mountains or the town where wherever you are you find that that cell uh is important right it's it, it's not about saying well if only i were in this other circumstance then i could deal with with all of them which is something we tell ourselves all the time right well i, I would if i could only live at a monastery i would be fine and the, and the monk who says there well if only i could be in in the world and not having to confront all these awful monks around me all the time i would i would be able to be a holy person uh, we're always looking for that external solution. But what the Desert Fathers and Mothers tell us all the time is we carry with us all of the, the problems that we're encountering because they exist there, deep within us, in that cell of our own hearts, right? And so mm -hmm. it's in that sense that our cell will teach us everything because that's the kind of the crucible of, of, of this encounter, of this journey, of this struggle, and so forth. And that's the sense in which, as you say, Abba, Ama Sincletica says that, um, you know, it, it's a, um, you know, it's a waste of time if we're not actually, you know, entering into to that cell to, to do that hard work. It's not about changing your external circumstances. That's not what matters.
Yeah, too. There's a couple of sayings uh, on the page I have in front of me here that have been jumping out as you were saying what you were saying. So I'll, I'll just read them here. This one is anonymous. It says, go sit in your cell and give your body and pledge to these walls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then this one, particularly from Ama Matrona, we carry ourselves wherever we go and we cannot escape temptation by mere flight. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, we, sometimes we are the problem. Um, yeah. And, and one of the interesting things uh, that you get when, you know, monasticism gets formalized um, and, you know, and put into rules and so forth, uh, you know, is this idea of, of stability, right? Of mm-hmm. uh, it becomes a big concept in, in, you know, Benedictine spirituality in, in particular, and it can seem a bit harsh, you know, it seems like this idea of cell. I mean, we, 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 it begins here, by the way, with the idea of a chamber, right? And it's only later that biologists kind of pick up on the term and, and, and use that for, for different chambers in, in human, um, you know, organisms and so forth, or in plants and, and, and so forth, and also in prisons, right? So uh, it, it's the word cell to us comes with all these other connotations, um, indeed denotations, uh, that complicate the thing, right? And, and I suppose part of the idea of going into a cell sounds to us kind of frightening because we, we think of the, you know, the person who's incarcerated, you know, or, or whatever. And, and then we read that back into, you know, what St. Benedict tells his monks, which is stay, you know, where you are. Like you, I, I, don't take up this freedom of movement, right? And that sounds a lot like what happens when somebody's put away, you know, for, for crimes. But it's not that, right? It's about this idea of stability, of of not fleeing because you think fleeing is going to, you know, take you somewhere. Now, obviously this is different from, you know, I wouldn't counsel a, a lay person that no matter what happens in life, stay where you are because that's where your struggle is. I mean, you would not say that to, to uh, a woman or to a child in an abusive situation. Right, right. Clearly this is not what you And know, like is here. discernment is necessary in those situations. Absolutely. However, we often use that sort of circumstance to justify flight, right? Uh, in other circumstances, when in fact, um, you know, the marriage could be worked out, right? If it wasn't abuse at stake, it was just, you know, whatever, um, some sort of disagreement or personality clash or something like that, or the job situation or the, you know, other relationship, you know, that we might have a you know, kind of division within a church community or whatever. How often is the first thing we think of because we have this total freedom, right? We are modern people. We are individuals with our rights and freedoms and so forth. And our first impulse is to flee, go somewhere else, start something new, begin again. And what the desert invites us to do with the concept of, of the cell is to realize, okay, well, that might be happening. Life does bring different circumstances and, and whatever, but don't think that you're actually removing yourself from the problem. The problem's going with you. The problem's in your cell and your cell is your heart and your heart belongs to you no matter where you go. And so we get people who, sure, they, they give up on a marriage, they end up in a, another marriage and the same patterns repeat themselves because of course they are the problem and the relation uh, with other people is, is the problem. And they haven't worked on that, right? And so again, this has nothing to do with 
staying in places where people are being abused, that's a completely you know, different category. But we mustn't let those things tell us that the thing to do always is just abandon, you know, to, to kind of cut their losses and, and leave. Because ultimately, when you leave, even in, a, in that sort of situation, you're going in the, with a broken heart, right? And, and it's the heart, the cell of our hearts that needs to be worked on. And so absolutely, um, you know, you cannot escape, escape temptation by, by mere flight. It, the stability of, of place physically, uh, circumstantially matters in order to kind of give us that, that ability to kind of work within ourselves. If we're forever chasing after all sorts of other things and finding new circumstances, then we never have the, the kind of, um, the, the opportunity, the ultimately the freedom, ironically, right? It's only by be, kind of incarcerating ourselves in those circumstances that we get the freedom to work on ourselves, you know, in that way. And so it's it's really important that, that we pay attention, you know, to to these words of staying rather than fleeing, you know, in order to, to kind of make some progress in the spiritual life. Normally in our episodes, Father Jeffrey, I let you have the last word. But in this series with the Desert Fathers and Mothers, I thought to end each episode, I'm going to read a saying, fade in the music and call it a day. Um, so I'm <laughs> going to do people with a word to ponder, right? Yeah. Exactly. A word without commentary as well. Um, okay, so uh, I'll read a saying and that'll be the end. Uh, and then we'll see you all next time. So thank you for listening. Okay, bye for now. There was once a brother in a monastery who had a rather turbulent temperament. He often became angry. So he said to himself, I will go live on my own. If I have nothing to do with anyone else, I shall live in peace and my passions will be soothed. Off he went to live in solitude in a cave. One day, when he had filled a jug with water, he put it on the ground and it tipped over. So he picked it up again and filled it again. And again, it tipped over. He filled it a third time, put it down, and over it went again. He was furious. He grabbed the jug and smashed it. Then he came to his senses and realized that he had been tricked by the devil. He said, since I have been defeated, even in solitude, I'd better go back to the monastery. Conflict is to be met everywhere, but so is patience, and so is the help of God. So he got up and went back to where he came from. Well, that does it for another episode of the private podcast of Enacting the Kingdom. Thank you again for all your support. Please feel free to comment with any follow-up thoughts or questions. Father Jeffrey and I read them all. Looking forward to having you back soon. 